Welcome to Compassionate Cultures, the podcast. You're about to go on a journey of empathy, understanding and transformation. Get ready to dive into the heart of humanity's most pressing questions with me, Rebecca Hemmings, the CEO of Strawberry Words Training Consultancy and guests. It's time to turn up the volume on kindness and to amplify the voices of minorities that often go unheard. This podcast asks questions like, how can we create workplaces where ethnic minorities thrive without the chains of career stagnation? What if universities were safe havens for all, free from the storm of microaggressions? And how can we bridge the gaps between cultures that have been divided by the walls of bias and ignorance? This is not just a podcast. This is a revolution of empathy. Welcome to Compassionate Cultures, the podcast. Get ready to explore, learn and change the world one compassionate conversation at a time. Wonderful. So we are recording. All right, Nathan, ready to go? All good, yep. Brilliant. Hello, everybody. My name is Sipo Eric Injovu, and I am here on behalf of Strawberry Words as a co-host on the Compassionate Cultures podcast, where we are wanting to change the world with one compassionate conversation at a time. And now this time, we have a very, very special guest, um, someone I'm inspired by um, and also informed by because you you work in an awesome industry, Nathan. <laughs> um, various industries, for that matter. <laughs> various, various. <Yeah. laughs> um, and I'm very fascinated by your approach. And of course, we are going to get into that as well. Mm. Um, so uh, just to let everybody um, else know and give some context, um, we, we have with us here today, Nathan Aday, who is an animator um, and um, an incredible creative writer and poet um, who has won um, uh, several awards and continues to be nominated as well um, through your your passion and your ambition. Now, um, Nathan, I want you to fill in the gaps um, as to what has almost won you these awards um, and what it is that you actually do. Um, so would you mind us um, starting there? Um, how would you introduce yeah. yourself, Nathan, with the work? that you do i appreciate that that's a great intro by the way so <laughs> you've given me a good uh one up there um so yeah just to also give context to your audience as well me and you met through um a bbc commission project called mental roots so that's what birthed what has now become a multimedia brand which i'll talk about today so it's been quite the journey from this short animation that we were working on um but yeah i have to give a shout out to rural media um, and their new creative scheme um, and obviously shout out to Anna Campbell as well who was our producer for this hey. short film um, so yeah all the way back in 2020 which in one way feels like a long time ago and then in another sense the time has flown as well um, I can't believe it's like been four years now I <laughs> know years. <laughs> yeah um, but yeah Sipo in a way was um, I don't know it feels I think in the credits you're a co-writer which feels fair in a way because <laughs> Um, the the me initial Mental Roots animation um, was all focused on black, uh, well, mental health from a black male perspective. Mm. Um, and I'll start from there, like in terms of describing who I am, I would say 
yes, I do specialize in animation. I studied it as my degree. Mm. Um, and then I did a master's developing my animation. Um, but there's also, obviously, as Sipo has said, various aspects to me. I like spoken word and rap. Um, back in the day in school, I used to do a bit of performing arts as well. So I like expressing myself in a variety of creative ways. Um, but in the recent years, I've thought more about social issues and a, a little slogan of mine that I've adopted is making work that not only looks good, but does good. Mm. Um, and so I guess even before the whole mental roots thing came about, um, in my coursework in uni, um, from second year onwards, I was already starting to think about what sort of social issues can I comment on? So I started to address, um, youth issues and like religion and beliefs in my animations. Um, and then in the final year of my degree, that was when I learned about rural media's new creatives program, mm. where you pitch a short film on that idea. And if they like it, they'll put some funding behind it and then um, broadcast it with the, from the BBC. Um, and so long story short, that's how the Mental Roots animation came about. And yeah, we um, uh, Anna introduced Sipo to me um, and we worked really well on developing the spoken word narration for that animation. And since then, we've kept in touch. Um, as I was making that animation, it birthed the idea to do the Mental Roots podcast mm. um, because obviously 2020, um, which was the year I started working on the animation, that was a very pivotal year, you know, when it comes to this thing called, you know, equality, diversity and inclusion, you know. Mm. Um, I'm sure me and you, we've already started thinking of talking about, you know, um, I guess the pros and cons that came out of the whole Black Lives Matter, quote unquote, awakening in 2020. Right. Um, but of course, it was a timely period for me to kind of build the brand um and start in the podcast aspect so a lot's happened since then um i've started to build mental roots as a business and thinking about ways i can provide services so whether it's further like freelance design um commissions or whether it's you know um workshops for young people which i started doing last year yeah. um i'm just looking at various ways i can hopefully you know build a living from you know doing all creative things that raise awareness on black mental health. Um, mm -hmm. Because obviously uh, there's corporations are interested in different capacities as to yeah. how to help, you know, those from ethnically diverse backgrounds when it comes to representation, being issues that affect our mental health and, and all sorts. So um, yeah, that pretty much sums up where I'm mm -hmm. at. And just to add more, I guess, professional mental health experience and knowledge to the brand. Um, I'm currently working as a recovery worker, mm. at a, a service for um, adults um, locally. So here in Derby, where I currently live, um, mm -hmm. it's just basically helping doing sessions with clients. And, you know, I, we always make it clear we're not trained therapists, but mm -hmm. we do grow through like basic CBT techniques, which stands for cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. So just more practical things to help them in their moment of crisis and then signposting them to longer term support. So um, that, I've been doing that for just over a year. Um, but now, or, and at the same time here and there where I can, I've been doing a few commissions. Um, and yeah, last year was very crazy, but hopefully moving forward, I can find a more sustainable, you know, um, way to obviously um you know have a regular income but at the same time build the business so that's currently where i'm at 
amazing. Yeah, no, thank you so much for allowing us to catch up um, and being so open as well with where you are presently. Um, because one of the reasons I'm inspired by you, and I really do mean that, um, Nathan, is because having known you and seen you progress over the last few years, um, I've had some insight in, into you being so socially conscious. Um, mm. And I've always wondered when that started for you. You are mm. clearly so talented um, and you're gifted as well. Um, but you use your talents to connect with more people um, and to spread positivity, especially when it comes to inclusivity and insights as well. Um, yeah. So your business, your brand, um, and what I've seen of your work, um, introducing people to um, Black mental health has mm. been quite profound. So I just want mm. to try and go a little back and um, so younger yeah, Nathan, yeah. if that's okay. Mm. Um, yeah, so yeah. You, you, you already mentioned that, you know, in school you, you used to be performing arts. And I'm like, mm, we might come back to that. But um, yeah. when did you start, um, you know, being um, socially conscious? And um, yeah, yeah, when did that journey begin for you? Um, so obviously just to provide some background, um, I know we, we had a conversation on similar themes on my my podcast the mental yeah. roots podcast so for those listening that's i think that's season one you hey i know you're enjoying the podcast episode but i just want to quickly come in and say look if you're an organization that needs anti-racism training for your organization because your staff are lacking in a racial literacy they don't have the words they get stuck when talking about racism they they want to be able to deal with incidents but they're not sure how to then check out our time to talk about race online cpd accredited course at strawberrywords.co.uk okay we can train from 10 to 10,000 but get in touch today at admin at strawberrywords.co.uk now back to the episode check that out I think it's episodes 14 and 15 um, or thereabouts um, but yeah I think yeah like I've probably said to you before I did grow up in a Christian home um, grew up well it's interesting because born born in Leicester shortly after that moved um, lived in Ghana for a little bit which is where I'm from um and yeah like that was like the first three years of my life and then moved back to the UK we lived in London for a bit and then Essex so I moved around here and there um but throughout that I've had a great upbringing just kind of um the growing up in the Christian faith and seeing how you know so I've always grown up in a morally aware mm. background um and you know at church as well seeing people share their testimonies and hearing about a god who you know transforms people for the better and you know so i've always had this um awareness of you know god being in everything um and that there's always some sort of redemptive value in mm -hmm. every person and in every situation um obviously at home the cds would pretty much all be gospel music um and then obviously with mm -hmm. um music channels and stuff like that on TV, that would be my window into the world of hip hop and right. everything else pretty much. So it was quite a mixed bag of influences growing up. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of like, in terms of creative expression, I've always been drawing for as early as I remember, mm. um, always had a very um, particular um, 
talent for drawing and imagination. Um, it makes me wish that I kept more of my childhood drawings now because um, <laughs> a lot of what I used to draw, you know, it would astound the teachers and that would carry on throughout my school career, just the level of detail and the, um, you know, it, it was something I've always kind of done without having to practice too much. Normally people would have to go through a lot of tutorials to learn how to draw, but I've never really felt like I have to learn to draw. I've always learned how to develop the talent, but it's always been a natural talent of mine. Um, but yeah, so I think in primary school, it was more just being inspired by mainstream kind of Disney and Pixar films and, you know, Sony Pictures Animation and a few other kind of Hollywood um, studios. Mm. I think when I was in secondary school, um, it was when I had a deeper understanding of my faith that then inspired me to think more about positive messages. Mm. Um, obviously, I think when you become a teenager, you become just a little bit more aware of how the world works. You know, um, you become 12 and then 15 and then you watch films that <laughs> give you an insight on the adult world. And, you know, so I think as I was learning more about the complexities of how the world works, then I realized like, oh, wow, you know, there's a lot of issues going on. You know, there's racism. There's also um a lot of people have misconceptions about faith as well um, mm. and what it means to be a christian and all these different things um and even for me i started going to christian youth events um there used to be this christian um summer uh, event called soul survivor mm -hmm. um and so i started to go with my church youth group throughout my teens and i started seeing rappers and singers and mm -hmm. pop stars and all sorts of creatives who were boldly declaring their faith and it opened my eyes because it was like, it made me realize that you can create positive, creative content that is still cool, you know, and that isn't too cheesy. Yeah. Um, and so that really kind of inspired me. You know, I started listening to Christian rappers. And then in secondary school, there was more performing arts opportunities. In primary school, I never really gotten a window of, you know, the like going into drama or you know trying music that there were these sort of things but there wasn't a lot of push behind it mm -hmm. but in secondary school I then started to do drama as a subject for the first time and the performing arts helped me at the time to really develop my confidence because um coming in in year seven um I remember I was really introverted and quite shy um but yeah just learning you know performing on stage and um, at first obviously I wasn't playing any main roles but there were a few like mm -hmm. extracurricular opportunities that you know um, helped me like in using my voice for other characters that like, it kind of helped me find my own voice in a way yeah. um, so that's why I'm so passionate about the creative arts because it kept me engaged during school um, it helped me develop my confidence and um yeah, you know, I think that's a blessing considering so many different distractions and things can come during those years. Mm. Um, but obviously I had the church and I had activities at school to kind of keep me grounded and develop my, you know, sense of purpose. So mm. um, that's pretty much the the background really um, is that, you know, creative, creative expression has always been a safe space for me uh, to just be myself and you know talk about things that i think deeply about um mm -hmm. but you know people don't want to really read an essay on those things they want but they would rather hear a song or you know watch a play yeah, or please. something about a, 
a certain topic. So yeah, that's that's pretty much sums up my uh, experience. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, no, really appreciate that, especially your last point as well um, about access. Um, uh, and I, I, mm. I could always tell that you think quite deeply um, about subject matters. Um, and you're, you're right, um, you know, that there's a lot happening and that has been happening and people may not want to read an essay about it. Um, uh, sorry for any mm. writers listening, but we, we love the writers out here. Um, and, and, and you and I will read the essay, mm -hmm. but um, I, I, mm -hmm. I, I, I have seen through your, your work that you can consolidate so much um, in a song. Um, but then also um, mm. in a piece of visual animation, you know, um, and moving images. Um, and so th th this is one of my next mm -hmm. um, questions as well, because I, I, as you know, at Sh Sh Strawberry um, Words, as anti-racism trainers, mm -hmm. we give so much insight to organizations, um, not only about how they can operate around their own um, environments, uh, but then um, out in the world as well. Um, and so talking to people yeah, yeah. like um, your, yourself um, with real life experience of the work that you're doing, which is um, actually contributing to that, um, uh, will hopefully inspire um, some other creative thinking around it. Um, and so with your work, um, I actually wanna ask you about um, one of your um, aesthetic choices. Um, so this is now um, from the, the mental um, roots, um, you know, no brand um, and and the and the films that, that we've seen. Um, the cracked egg, um, you, you know, that image. Um, yeah. so, so for anyone who who doesn't know what we're talking about, um, this is your prompt to um, watch one of Nathan's um, short films, which we can link. Um, and make yeah, sure that yeah. people um, see those. Um, but yeah. Nathan, yeah, for, for anyone who hasn't seen it or anyone who has, mm -hmm. um, yeah, to, to talk us through um, what is the aesthetic that I'm talking about? Because you can explain yeah, it better. Yeah. Um, and where did it come from um, as well? Yeah. Mm. Cool, yeah. So as I said, you know, this Mental Roots brand was birthed from this initial animation called Mental Roots. So it's um, just under four minutes long. And um, the best way, to, I mean, to describe it is a spoken word narrated journey from uh, a young black character's perspective, kind of journeying through um, the changing state of his mental health. And he's trying to unpack what's kind of led to him being at that moment and where he's going to go from here. Um, and there's a lot of visual, I call it visual metaphors, because um, I feel like imagery with... Um, pictures and imagery with words can really complement each other um i'm not going to say i'm the first definitely not the first person to put spoken word poetry with animation yeah. but i think using it in the way that i've done to talk about the sort of things i'm talking about is a, a unique thing um that i haven't seen many other people do um specifically as it pertains to black culture and yeah. showing that in in animation um, but I feel like, yes, yeah, so describing um, the visual style, it's it represents, I would say, the down to earthness or the grittiness of the subject matter. So it is quite pastely in aesthetic um, for all of the production geeks out there. Um, I use Photoshop quite a bit um, and Photoshop has kind of been my go to the past few years in terms of 2D animation because of the, the range of different brushes and the organic textures um, and and speaking of which, you know, there, there are other types of software I want to use as well, um, which I haven't made time to practice with yet. But um, I, at least I know I've got the transferable skills to 
you know, learn those different kinds of software so that I can equip myself with a wider variety of styles and brushes and, and et cetera. Right. But where I'm at now, you know, with the, the style I've got is again, quite a pastel feel to it. Um, and you know, the visual imagery is very fluid. I, I don't like using sharp cuts in my animations, um, particularly with mental roots. I just felt like, um, as, as much as the subject matter within the poem kind of smoothly transitions from line to line, I wanted to show that visually. Um, and obviously I remember the, when we were talking about, when, when we were drafting the poem together, I pretty much already had it fleshed out more or less, but I remember you gave me a lot of useful insight in fleshing out the poem and talking about, well, if we're going to include this detail, um, in the words, then how, how does that complement what could come visually? Mm. Um, so that was a very interesting, unique aspect to consider that, you know, this poem isn't just by itself. It's part of a bigger, you know, product, you know, where there's going to be sound effects and, you know, um, <laughs> and imagery. So um, that's that's uh, the best way I could describe it is that, you know, there's you've got a lot of smooth transitions um, and, and the head, the whole head shell. So I describe that as a head shell, but even oh, right. describing... Even describing <laughs> what it is, is yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> because like the whole idea of the head shell is like because I could have gone with just the standard idea of a mask, right? Because obviously, when we talk about black culture and the stigma of mental health in in the community, um, obviously, a lot of people will understand what I mean when I say we wear masks to mask our our true emotions and to mask our pain, and especially in black culture over the years. Um, what has been mostly a gift, but also maybe um, a blockage to true vulnerability is our talent. You know, we've always been using the performing arts, music, storytelling to process our trauma in the black community and, and, and turn it into something beautiful that is now obviously very marketable on a worldwide scale. Mm. Um, but the the cost of that is, you know, do we even know when we're wearing the mask and when we're not mm. because we're mm -hmm. so used to living in a performative way, you know, whether it's um, subconsciously, you know, um, taking on the stereotypes of black identity that we see in Western, you know, culture, or whether it's even from our ancestry, you know, we, there's not been that education on mental health. So we just, all we know is just being strong and, powering through working twice as hard as our counterparts you know um yeah. and so these are the sort of masks that i wanted to allude to in the film but i thought i wanted to think of a more unique kind of imagery so the whole head shell analogy is that it completely blocks your peripheral vi vision um and it's like you create your own inner world it's almost like a vr headset but like mm -hmm. as if it's a helmet sort of thing um, and so, yeah, I, I, I wanted to, I don't know, I, it's, it's a bit weird. Like, I didn't think too much about the particular look of it. It just naturally came to me, like, just as if someone's putting a head shell on their head. Um, because, I don't know, maybe it's because an, a, a shell is a bit more of a natural um, analogy in a way. Um, but yeah, I just thought of it initially and then I kind of run with it. Um, but also I thought it was interesting how even in the animation, you see the character pick up pieces and out of these pieces, he makes a head shell. 
so that's the analogy that you know out of our um poverty or out of our lack in the black community we create our own safety spaces we create our own coping mechanisms mm. you know basically out the out of the broken pieces of his life he builds this head shell that you know um when you when you see that animation he wears it and you we get sucked into his kind of uh coping mechanism which mm -hmm. which is then basically being with the man then being on the block mm. just you know spitting rhymes and the nice thing about that scene is that um inherently it's a both a celebration and a critique of you know um the way that we kind of socialize in, in the black community is that on one hand it's great that you know we've got rap as an art form to have a bit of healthy competition and in a way it sharpens our talent um and obviously the the roots of grime kind of started out with clashes of just kind of random you know um rap freestyle um clashes on the streets but even in that environment you know that's like the typical environment where you're not encouraged to be vulnerable or mm. talk about oh i'm going through this struggle you can't be seen as weak so you have to put on this mask you know um and so yeah, that, that's kind of the long answer to what you were saying is that um, that head shell kind of represents um, just in, you know, coping through life and putting on a fake expression. So on the shells, you see fake expressions painted on um, and then, you know, a piece might fall off and then you'll see a character is actually crying mm. under that head eggshell, but under, the, under that head shell rather. And, but he wants to shield that and he puts the piece back on to mask that emotion because he just wants people to see a simulation of who he is um and that simulation is something that he's trying to live up to but um it's not where he's currently at mm. um and mm. so you know that that's kind of the main analogy but there's also other visual metaphors within the animation as well that i'll let other people figure out <laughs> <laughs> wonderful thank you so much for that nathan Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much um, for your insights. Um, and again, I would absolutely encourage people uh, to watch Mental Roots um, because what you've just yeah. described is the everyday living condition. Um, so putting on mm. this mask um, as part yeah. of our racism training um, definitely re reminds me of whenever we talk about um, code switching um, that mm. many people feel as though that they have to... Um, emulate um as part of assimilating into a culture which maybe isn't isn't theirs and, and they don't feel represented within um but yeah mm. i think i think your your film is another great example um of the ways that uh, many people can probably re relate to but especially um people of color throughout the western world mm. um so going back to now your um, experience and your insight my, my next my next question um, is almost about if you yourself have identified a gap um, within mm. your industry, um, your, yeah, your, yeah. Your, your your creative industry, where the subject matters that you address um, as far as um, mental health and equality, um, is there a gap in, in that market? Mm. And um, do people not talk about it enough and do people not work on it? enough you know um yeah yeah please give us some some, some, some insight there mm. yeah i think there is definitely a gap in terms of 
I think high quality animation that at least gets recognized in the bigger you know animation industry circles um it's an interesting one because part of me thinks you know that the shift the industry is shifting in the sense that um there's a lot more content creators coming out now um in terms of podcasts with animation obviously i don't know if you've heard of past the makeup i i have yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um so that i think is maybe one of a few examples i can think of where animation is being used in an accessible way to authentically connect with young people mainly of multi-ethnic backgrounds yeah um and obviously with the style with it being a podcast and you know the, the imagery is very much kind of vectorized very simple very kind of accessible in that sense mm -hmm. um but also doing an animation degree and learning about you know the British Animation Awards and, um, you know, the the scene of independent animators and the sort of animators who are lecturing at, um, you know, various institutions and, you know, kind of like that sort of um, specialist um, sector. Um, I rarely see people from Black backgrounds, you know, in that space, um, at yeah. least in the UK anyway. Um, obviously in America they they have got a lot more variety um, going on in terms of representation in animation um, obviously on a Hollywood level we all know about Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse <laughs> um, and the same studio Sony Pictures Animation they did the short film Hair Love mm. um, which I think was based on an existing book but now they're developing it into a series on I think it's on Netflix um, and then there's various other kind of examples in American history where uh, I know there's one, um, I know of one um, black owned animation studio in America called Lion Forge. Mm. Um, I think they were the people behind uh, or at least helped to make hair love. Um, and so that's a studio that I've started to look into and um, you know, then there's various other uh, people within the States who are from a black background um, who, you know, have have done great work in the mainstream. Um, but in the UK specifically, right. um, I think there's still a long way to go in terms of really seeing a new scene of, of black Brit British animators. I do know, obviously, of students and young people who are doing animation but there's not much of a collective or much of a, you know, I don't really see a black owned studio that's really, mm. you know, having a mainstream impact in that sense. So I think in terms of like mainstream appeal and seeing high quality animation, that's not only made by black creators, but the stories within those animations are really relevant to, to our communities, you know, right that really un celebrates our culture, our heritage, our music, um, the, 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 the various nuances to what it means to be black British. We, I, I, even in independent animation, cause there's something I did my dissertation on, um, for the BA and then also my masters as well. There's only as like, I could count on one hand, the amount of, uh, independent animators I've seen study or w release films, in the independent animation scene in the UK that are black. Mm -hmm. um, and a few of them I've connected with them on LinkedIn. So 
Um, obviously, I'll shout out Mary Martins, who um, went to, I think, it must it might have been RCA, um, but she's done a few kind of independent animations and mm -hmm. um, been through a few um, short film festivals and things. Um, and later, for us who don't know, and what's RCA? Sorry, uh, Royal College of Arts. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. If Mary's hearing this, then Mary, <laughs> just correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, you know, connecting with people like her and another guy called Osbert Parker, who back in the '90s, especially, he was working with the likes of I think MTV and mm. very and and. But even then, you know, when you look at the history of black animators, which was hard to find you know any concrete stuff or, or concrete text on that um it used to be always going to the states really you know you try and um do your try and make your your name known um in the animation world and it seems that the best place to really get your shot is the states and in in, in just in film in general it's been a similar thing with a lot of actors um you know the likes of david harewood and idris elba we've seen how pretty much they had to make it big in America in order to oh. then make it big in the, the UK. So in, in a, on a much smaller scale, in one sense, it seems to be that way with animation as well. But um, even just animation in Britain generally is there's a lot more niche and smaller in terms of market and revenue than um, in the States. I think that's starting to shift a little bit now, um, mm. especially with Ardman being on the on the grow. But um so i think just british animation generally has always had its own quirkiness to it um and always in some ways subverted the clean cut traditional um aesthetic that america is known for you know through the likes of walt disney so british animation generally has that kind of history of being a bit more sub subversive and you know even during the world war world war ii you know animation was used in a lot of commercials and it was very sharp very minimalistic animation to get a message across um and so in in kind of carrying on with that lineage i, I want to i feel inspired so i know you're really enjoying this episode but unfortunately it's come to an end for now but they will be part two so watch out for that coming up very soon thank you so much for listening to compassionate cultures the podcast